0: Welcome back to the podcast my guest today is a second time I, don't, I was gonna say offender that's not the, the right word if you're on the podcast <laughs> honored guest I guess uh, Jen Loofborough the founder of Alpine Fit uh, ran a store in Ireland uh, worked for Lululemon degree in chemistry and then uh, you had some accolades this last summer as a small business owner did I see that correctly
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, The U.S. Small Business Administration, so it's a federally recognized award, um, awarded us Woman owned Small Business of the Year for Alaska. So it's the longest title in the world, but what it means is we uh, have a lovely plaque with our name on it awarded by the Small Business Administration for the U.S., which is is pretty awesome. And um, what's came from that is uh, Alaska Public Media picking up the story, which then means everyone mm. in Alaska knows about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Was it, obviously your main goal is to make a good, really good product and it is, you know, yeah. they are really good, but how, as far as validation goes, um, how, how did that feel? Uh,
1: it felt really good. Um, obviously, we were invited to like an award luncheon and some very important, you know, um, politicians and things were there. I got personally written nice notes from um, our senators and things like that too, and recorded messages sent to me so that was lovely. Um, yeah, I'm it's just kind of bizarre to get <laughs> to get those kind of recognitions because you know, you can work hard on something, put something good out there and getting feedback from your customers is what you're seeking. and then these awards kind of, um, you know, validated on a different level
0: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe make you kind of stand and go, okay, we do need to stop and smell the roses. Let's celebrate this. <laughs> yeah. Then let's get back to pro- problem solving the next, you know, product challenge that we're thinking about all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as products go, like my wife and I uh, were up there and we got, um, uh, the base layers. And the thing that I like most about them is they're, they're big enough to where you can wear them outside so it doesn't look like or feel like you're wearing underwear outside so you can wear them to work things like that but they're also thin enough and light enough that you can use them as a base layer um and then the sorcery with the uh, the silver it's not uh, i was listening <laughs> to the alaska wild project uh and you, it's yeah. not silver infused in it what was the term that that the correct oh
1: yeah they loved in? they loved this term over there co-extruded co-extruded yeah, it's just fun to say co-extruded. So basically, when they're making uh, one of the yarns that's in that we put in, when when the like uh, actual yarn is made, silver is co-extruded into the yarn of the fiber of the yarn of the fabric so it's permanently there. A lot of the other silver technologies or like copper technologies and things you'll read about or hear about on products they may just be a chemical finish that's applied to the fabric when they're making the fabric so it is something that's a chemical treatment that can then wash out but with ours it's permanently in there via this uh, co-extrusion. process. (laughs)
0: And that is what keeps things from taking on an odor after a long time. When that other stuff can break down, this is permanent.
1: Yeah, it's permanent. Um, And the silver environment is just not an environment that the odor causing bacteria can thrive in. So we all have odor causing bacteria, it's natural, like there's nothing wrong with it. Um, But when you sweat, that moist environment usually supports the growth of that odor causing bacteria. But silver's just not an environment that that can thrive in. So it continually resists its growth and mm. hence resists the body odor smell.
0: Yeah, we and my wife and I used <laughs> ours a lot this summer. And so there's a lot of Yay. sweat and it's, it's super, super warm, maybe a little too much for some of the alpine when it was like 75, 80 degrees. Um, but uh, as soon as you got up there, though, sometimes you get to the top and then the wind blows and all that sweat yeah. makes you chilly. But we yeah. were chilly, and that was a cool thing to be able to get up there and just not have to put a jacket on or anything like that to stay warm. So it was, and then taking it out trolling, I got a little salmon blood on it, and I was very disappointed in myself to get the blood on. But it is it's an Alaskan adventure ready uh, base layer, <laughs> so I guess at some point it was going to happen. So uh, so it's did alright.
1: it wash? It didn't wash out completely.
0: Um, I didn't. I put it in. I overstocked the washer. And then uh-huh. i put it in the dryer so it went to dry it kind of set it up so you can kind of see a little bit it looks like my belly button leaked or something like that it's it's pretty oh. it's kind of, okay. kind of weird well, but uh
1: you know you could try like the old the old thing of just putting some like clear liquid dawn dish soap on it mm-hmm. and see if that does the trick okay. or um sometimes one of those like ox- oxy whatever kind of cleaners yeah, oxy can sometimes up, yeah. help lift those out um yeah. and then further than that maybe like the Nature's Miracle odor, pet odor and stain remover kind of is like the, the, the last stop you could try. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I still wear it unabashedly. Yeah, like it's, 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 the, great. it's like a badge of honor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fish absolutely. blood. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. So I was thinking like all the way back to the kind of beginning, beginning thing. I got a buddy who's an entrepreneur and I just started talking to him about initial investment things. And so when I had you on previously, I didn't ask about kind of that first moment and Mm-hmm. You can't just go to a bank and say, "Hey, I want to make uh, some base layers. Um, can I have hundred thousand dollars or whatever?" So, what's that first step looking like and raise that first capital? Because you can, if you have it yourself, you can do it, or you're asking for investors or, or banks. Like, how did how did that first first step uh, come and, and get initial funding?
1: That's a great question. Um, well, usually it's a really good idea to. Um, You know, hold on to that day job as long as you can (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, you don't make a lot of money uh, for a long time as an entrepreneur and starting a brand and that sort of stuff. Um, So if you can save up some sort of little nest egg before starting it, that's definitely key. But absolutely, you're not going to go to a bank with a new business idea and be like, hey give me your money yeah <laughs> I'll pay you back I promise you know mm-hmm. I have this zero track record right here <laughs> um, so yeah for what that looks like for me was I did have some savings um, I don't know if we talked about this before but I had a business in the past and you know kind of it goes into the family household income but I sold the other business so I had this little sort of allotment of money that was Jen's from Jen's business we obviously mm-hmm use some money to put a deposit on buying a house and have mortgage payments and then had a job. So like those exact dollars kind of got muddled in the family (laughs) savings and stuff like that. But when it was time to start Alpine Fit, we kind of like looked at our family finances and we're like, okay, going to put this sort of dollar figure towards what we're doing. And um, you do need to have either some personal savings or maybe you can have a really, you know, great relative or something that might be willing to um you know help give you a little bit of a jumping off point um because yeah like anything from just even getting a bank loan or even like the supplies you want to use to start the business like fabrics now i have credit terms with my fabric Mm -hmm. suppliers like i just placed um a new order for one of our fabrics we use for our bushwhacking leggings and you know Four years ago, five years ago, when I was just trying to get my first fabrics to do product development, you've got to pay for everything ahead of when they even make it. Never mind ship it to you. Never mind make something from it. Never mind sell it. Now I have credit terms set up because I have, you know, the history with them, and I got started. But absolutely, it took personal money that was from savings, having a paycheck for a while, and then uh, luckily our, you know family situation has allowed, allowed, you know, a little bit of trickle in support from the family finances <laughs> mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years in that I applied for a loan successfully.
0: Mm-hmm. My buddy, there was an entrepreneur. He was a teacher first and it was had the day job. And then it was a, yeah. a coffee and lifestyle business. And it, they just put it all on credit cards at first, which was a huge risk because your interest rate is so much higher. But Scary, yeah. Um, yeah, they, there was an event that went with it. And so the event went really well and then yeah. met people and then all of a sudden it expanded. So I don't think he had to take on any sort of um, private investors too. Um, but now he's on the other end of that and he's looking for other business opportunities to do private investing. I was like, oh, that's like what a, that's kind of like a venture capitalist. Like now I kind of know yeah. what yeah. that is and, and what value that brings. Because they, they tend to to be used in the context of just some shark type person looking to prey on on smaller businesses
1: yeah and that's true so um yeah to add in other things there are grants for new businesses you can apply to i did some business uh pitch competitions i won like four thousand dollars from a biz business plan the alaska business plan competition at the beginning that was a nice chunk Mm -hmm. of change for some of the like initial startup costs but that's pennies in the bucket of what it takes to actually start a start a business so yeah there's venture capitalist investors which we haven't sought um, and then there's other types of investors like angel investors which are kind of um oh, that's a term that i don't actually know how to like quote what the definition of it is um, but in alaska i'm familiar with very many small businesses that before they go down like the venture capital route um they might do like a smaller more local investment round with local investors that are yeah. maybe smaller amounts. Um, it's not like a venture capital fund, it's private people to su- deciding to put in $10,000, $50,000, whatever it might be that contributes to the chunk of change that business needs to get going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you usually need to have like started the business, have some sort of traction gained, have a really good plan, a team in place, and, um, you know, like a, a a pitch, uh, to prove all, to, 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 demonstrate to these people, just as if it was like shark tank or Mm -hmm. a venture capital firm. So I actually have many friends in small businesses in Alaska, um, that have pursued that. And there are people in Alaska that love to invest in small Alaska businesses that the hope that they become much bigger (laughs) Alaska Mm -hmm. businesses. Uh, so that's definitely a path, but you usually have to have started somehow some
0: way first yeah yeah that was this this different side of it is, is making so much more sense to me i i've seen a couple of businesses in the outdoor realm that have like you can order the tent or pre-order the knife or pre-order the whatever yeah. and you don't get it for like yeah. six months i'm thinking well that's so annoying like you either have yeah. the stuff or you don't but then i'm like oh you need money to do it in the first place yeah. so yeah. that yeah. makes sense and then also yeah. when um, kickstarter like, yeah kickstarter those sort of uh, yeah. things that are allowing people to kind of generate that that uh that revenue first because you have to have that in order to do it especially if it's going to be a good product and then the other piece is having enough capital to expand whenever mm-hmm. i know when sitka got bought by gore i was like oh sellouts and then stone glacier being buying uh, being bought by vista mm. but if you don't understand the fact that you might have a great product and a great model but you still don't have the capacity to expand like you're still very limited like you're making money maybe you can give yourself a paycheck and take on a couple uh employees but that's just to manage the workload in order to really expand you need capital and so you have to it's not a sellout it's a good opportunity to be able to expand
1: yeah that's definitely like a reality you know you in my industry like it's different in food it's different in hard goods but in my industry the normal thing is to take orders that are not with a financial commitment like oh you know like you're selling to wholesale to stores that are going to resell your stuff so you take the order now for fall 2024 so you take the order and you're like i have this promise for dollars to pay 12 months from now I'm going to spend my own money or my loan or, you know, and not in our case, but in the case of someone who has outside investors, I need the money from the investors and I need to commit to buying all this fabric now and maybe I pay for it now or maybe I have 30 or 60 day terms with the the supplier for the fabric. Then I've got to make all the stuff and then I deliver it to the customers and then invoice them and then they pay 30 days after that. So, you know, You're putting some money, you know, promise to pay your bills out now, (laughs) and you might not collect on that until like November, December of next year. So, um, you know, we're on a (laughs) a 30 year plan of small, steady growth. (laughs) But if you want it to be shorter than that, you need to, uh, you know, take way more of those orders now, spend way more cash buying those raw materials now so that you can fulfill those bigger orders and then sustain like a more. Steep, a steeper growth
0: mm-hmm.
1: curve faster yeah so yeah um it's 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 definitely a conscious choice where i'm at to just be self-funded bootstrapped and you know us outside the business loan that i have just be personally funded and
0: mm-hmm.
1: be okay with with that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we don't have a million different products or a huge marketing budget because we just can't
0: mm-hmm. right uh as far as buying in bulk goes i know jack did the same thing with double shovel when rather than mm-hmm. buy the small most affordable tanks they went big with the tanks that way they yep. could as they grew they already had the stuff and they didn't have to really turn everything over again and again all this stuff is it was just like a fact but as i'm just learning more i'm thinking oh yeah. that's why and that makes a whole lot more sense yeah but.
1: yeah so for us we um You know obviously a bigger facility with a longer cutting table and more machines and more people to operate them we could have a higher capacity here um but what we have built in was working with scalable suppliers from the get-go so the supplier i developed the silver fiber fabric we were speaking of that's a supplier that i'm working directly with the mill that makes it it's in california so it's in the u.s um and they like they can make i can pay a worst price and get like the 50 yards I needed when I first started developing the first <laughs> the first prototypes and now we're at the pr- place where we're ordering full production lots obviously so we're getting you know better negotiated prices and things like that but when we need to scale from you know 5,000 yards up to 50,000 yards and beyond uh, we can do that with them so I do think that it's important to put the scalability built in from the get-go um, yeah
0: mmm So this is, you got a degree in chemistry is, is, is that hugely beneficial, partially beneficial?
1: Um, it makes me, it got my foot in the door to working in the materials world for sure. And it just helped me like understand the technical properties of things. So the foundation of our collection and my company is really cool technical fabrics without the chemistry that led me to textiles Mm-hmm. You know, that, that that is the foundation of what, of what we do. So I wouldn't say I call on my chemistry every day, but it gave me the sort of the, the it was some of the keys that opened the doors to this path.
0: Yeah. I talked to a lot of my uh, students about the fact that if they know what they want to do right now as juniors or sophomores, even freshmen, they'll probably change their mind and if they don't know it's okay because like a degree in chemistry could lead you to something else and so it's not the chemistry it's the tenacity you learn in the pursuit of that it ends up being the valuable skill that they can allow you to to pivot to something else and that's kind of the kind of the main point there's so many examples out there um, for those kids so I like to be able to be a little bit more relatable by having these conversations with people who are actually doing the thing
1: yeah yeah i mean had i known that there was some sort of um You know, maybe a program, I don't, I'm not sure what would be the most ideal program in Canada. Again, I grew up in Canada. So like, you know, you guys have 10 times the population that we have. So it's, uh, (laughs) I live in the U.S. now. I'm aware of many more educational programs that might have been very much more relevant to what career I would choose to go on, but I didn't know what they were or how to even find out about them coming out of high school. I was just like, art or science? <laughs> I guess science will give me a better job. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot so of stuff that ends that. up being really relatable, too. So, like, you go down something yeah. else. But, you know, if someone who like, goes to school to become a teacher might not know some of the other backgrounds or stuff or goes to school to be, you know, a chemist a, or just whatever. It's just very nice to find yeah. complementary things like that. And that's, that's the valuable uh, asset that you have going forward.
1: Absolutely. And like the scientific method and problem solving, like that's my number one favorite thing is problem solving. And I definitely attribute my success in problem solving to kind of having a, I don't know, a foundation of there are problems out there. You know, what are the possible now I'm, now I'm talking to a teacher and I'm getting all self-conscious. Like what are the steps of the science? <laughs> it's, it's,
0: a, it's a high school, high school English teacher. So yeah, we're, the, the, bar okay. is, the bar is nice and low here. So don't worry about anything. Definitely not a professor. My brother calls me professor Lund, but in a, a mocking way that an older sibling <laughs> would say it. Um, oh, that's funny. So um, you got summer com- or you got the uh, summer's over with, you got winter coming up. So what, um, what is kind of like the gear pairings? Like what do you have and uh, what do you use it for? Cause I'm sure that there's some things you have looking forward to as things are getting, you guys already get snow up there yet?
1: Oh, hey, do you know what's happening right now? If you have any air miles saved up with uh, Alaska airlines, it might be worth a trip to Anchorage this weekend. Cause you know, check the weather, but <laughs> the Alpine lakes have all frozen and we've mm-hmm. had very low precipitation. So it is the most glorious wild ice Mm. skating right now. Um, I'm not sure when this episode will air versus when we're (laughs) recording it, but
0: (laughs) it'll be pretty quick.
1: (laughs) Um, just for you personally, like it is unbelievable. Um, I'll get back to the pairings of gear, but right now people are hiking, biking, I mean, people, including me, hiking and biking and Nordic skating, or just like hockey skate, ice skating, um, in Anchorage. And we haven't had really any snow that has fallen and stayed, and the ground is pretty dry and frozen. It's really awesome right now for uh, extending those fall activities and transitioning into some winter-esque activities, but not the ones that need snow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So like on Saturday, we hiked into Rabbit Lake, which is, you know, four miles from the trailhead right near anchorage and rabbit lake itself is frozen and like like glass clear you can it's almost as if someone has pla- placed like a snorkel mask against the water you can mm. see fish under oh, the wow. ice in the water and freezing cold. So the gear pairings are an alpine fit base layer, of course, such as the one you have <laughs> mm-hmm. and at least one or two down jackets on top of it, oh, okay. Uh, like 40 an hour mile wind um, or a 40 mile an hour wind or more gusting catabatic winds off the mountain polishing this lake. Um, so you're just hiking into a headwind the whole time. So like you need the neck gaiter, the hat, um, if you're going to skate, obviously you should probably wear a helmet too and um we're not wearing snow pants cuz it's not really snowy at all yet but uh you know a base layer bottoms like ours and um you know a windproof bottom outer layer of some sort like a nordic skiing tight or something like that that's that's the kit right now cuz it's just c- kind of cold but not snowy not wet
0: when do you think that's going to change
1: usually uh, I mean what's usual the last two years we've already had a lot of uh, snow by now so it's kind of like that in between season where you're like do I wear do I go for a hike and it's just wet and I need gaiters. is it is there going to be anywhere that's good for well if I drive to higher elevation can I cross-country ski even if it's just like off-trail fish scale skiing um, certainly right now sometimes a good biking season, like fat biking season could start with the studded tires and things like that. Um, And again, those outfits are, the the gear, the kit is still pretty much the same. Uh, Sorry, the down jackets was just the howling wind on the ice. But like right now you'd normally wear a base layer and maybe a soft shell jacket if you're doing something where you're actually building up some sweat, neck gaiter, and a headband or a hat. Base layer bottoms with maybe a hiking pant over top or base layer bottoms with like our bushwhacking leggings over top or like a Nordic tight wool socks and then whatever footwear is relevant to your your activity of choice. And definitely gloves or mittens. Yeah.
0: Are you working toward having the full kit at some point or is that so far in the future you're not really sure? Because as someone who actually uses the product and the, like I said, these are yeah. Alaska ready and adventure ready, Yeah, you can't just Overextend because that's death to a business yeah. if you get uh, too far ahead of yourself. But is that maybe the goal down the road is to, to have the full kit?
1: Um, I don't know how long it would be in the future for before we would ever have outerwear. My focus really wants to be the. I really want my focus to be the pieces that really truly can be used for many use cases. So, something you already said in this conversation was that shirt that you have is great and it was good even in the Alpine but it got kind of hot in the really hot moments before you're maybe in the wind or something like that again. Um, The next fabric that I'm developing will be a a really lightweight version Mm -hmm. of our silver fiber odor resistant fabric so we can do sun hoodies in something that's like truly what you want to be wearing in a really sunny situation. Um, and that fabric will also be good for, um, you know, tank tops or lighter weight T-shirts for men, or sleeveless top, for, sleeveless shirts for men for hiking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm in the workshop right now, and across the, my work table, I can see my prototypes of a really thick fleece, windproof, water repellent uh, legging base layer bottom. That's that's definitely nice. next part of the kit because whether you're sp- Nordic skiing, running, biking, laying right under your snow pants or whatever. That could be a really, really versatile winter piece, especially for Alaska adventures. Mm -hmm. Um, And our men's base layer bottoms. We made men's base layer bottoms for a while. um, And then I haven't gotten back around to either making them again or doing the small updates uh, that I'd like to do to the design to those. We had some diehard fans of our men's base layer bottoms, but we haven't made them in a while. Mm. So we either need to make them again <laughs> or I need to make the improvements, <laughs> which is obviously my preference, and make them again because um, the men's kit is very incomplete in terms mm. of the products we offer right now. So yeah, I'm always thinking about what are the most logical extensions. I Mid layers would definitely be next. It would be a long time before we're doing, like, a rain jacket or an outer layer. Uh,
0: That's a lot of different tech, you know. And then some of the stuff you get, you go from brand to brand, and it's pretty much the same thing with a different logo. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as far as, like, really revolutionary-type things come around every once in a while, like, the technology is expanding very rapidly. Before, it was just, like, wool. And then it was, you know, you're – your other layers and then you had your vapor wicking and then your merino wool was yeah. was really popular and whatnot now we're getting yeah. some different stuff but to really revolutionize things it takes some time and otherwise you just you're just like everybody else and what's the difference between you and someone else so it's cool that you're looking to kind of do something different rather than just slap your name on a, on what already exists
1: yeah definitely um and i think there's a huge opportunity in that uh winter could be next to skin slash mid-layer fleecy Bottoms, like something that's truly, really, really thick and insulating, really Alaska mm-hmm. <laughs> centric.
0: So you grew up in the in eastern Canada, right? What? Um,
1: um, yeah, where, where we we think of it as the middle of Canada, but on the map, middle. it's definitely the easterny.
0: <laughs> why, why do you say middle? Or what constitutes? What's the what's the boundary? Oh,
1: well, it's just kind of a. Uh, The capital of um, the country is in the same province that I'm from, and we think of out west and out east from where I grew up, and just, like, the whole country revolves around the part of Canada that I'm from. It's kind of, like, just, like, one of those Canadianism things. Uh, But, yeah, Ontario, Canada, near the Great Lakes, near Niagara Falls.
0: Mm -hmm. So what were your winters like there compared to uh, to Alaska? Some people think that Canada, Alaska, it's all synonymous weather-wise, and I guess cultural-wise is pretty different too, but what were the winters like there?
1: Um, They were lake effect snow, so we got a lot of precipitation and a lot of snow um, because the Great Lakes, there's a lot of evaporative um, moisture stuff happening there. So decent snowy winters. Uh, We would be able to ice skate on ponds or my dad would like, with our sort of neighbor, would flood part of our yard. Um, with an ice rink like for two months of the winter, not four months consistently like we have here in Anchorage. Um, And I would say it's just not as extreme. The roads, you'd have a little bit more of the melt-freeze cycle and stuff. I don't know what Ketchikan winters are like, but I imagine the difference between Ketchikan to Anchorage and Anchorage to Fairbanks, you know... (sighs) I don't, it's, it wasn't as wet as maybe what I imagined Southeast to be. I've been to Juneau mm. in the winter, but not Ketchikan,
0: yeah.
1: um, you know, maybe a little more similar to that. Like you have the moisture from the lakes, like you guys have the moisture from the coast. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. We ton, tons of rain, tons of rain. It's a lot more like when you, everyone's up there doing the fat biking stuff and the ice skating, like yeah. we're usually down here and it's 37 and raining. The only yeah. ice we have is the black ice on the roads on the way to work. So it's, <laughs> It's super annoying. There's nothing, nothing cool at all about that.
1: Yeah. Um, so I would say it equipped me okay to move to Alaska or, at, you know, at least I knew that I loved, um, you know, I love winter stuff and dressing for winter and driving in the winter, like all of that. It's easier to drive in an anchorage, despite how ridiculous our roads get. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. cause the snow just never melts and the ice also never melts. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, sort of well-equipped. A mini Alaska, not really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did did, uh, did your growing up there kind of help you understand something that ended up being useful in your uh, current career?
1: Um, where I want to live and the activities I want to do and what I don't <laughs> want to do. <laughs> um, yeah, so I used to go up north to a little off-grid cabin with my grandparents, and that was my favorite thing of the whole summers, two weeks, alone with the grandparents doing nothing but hiking in the woods, fishing and swimming in the lake and, and all that sort of stuff. So definitely my love of the outdoors and you know, packing for a trip spent in the outdoors, all our building blocks to where I live and what I've chosen to do and w- what I do with my kids and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I remember going to the river and there was pictures of me doing this. Actually, I don't really remember. I remember going to the river, but I look yeah. at the pictures more and I'm thinking, those are just regular jeans. I, I'm, yeah. I'm up to my my waist in regular <laughs> jeans at the river and extra tough yeah. boots. Like why did I even bother wearing boots? And I do remember at some point my boots would get wet every time I went out. So I was like, well, if they're going to get wet, I might as well have better traction and better ankle support. So I just wear tennis yeah. shoes knowing I yeah. get them soaked. And I thought, man, I, I, I was like a little heater or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> or I was just hardcore. But, man it was crazy and that's the thing i think most of. forget the fish that are in the picture i was like dude what are you wearing good yeah. for you there's no tech there you. at all Man. um
1: what's funny is is that there's times when we actually put our kids in jeans because they are durable and protective for little kids legs because they fall over all of the time yeah. so like um it's not very uh jonesy to you know, be the, uh, show up with your outdoorsy friends and have your kids being in jeans. But it's like for a long time for very easy kid paced hikes or bike rides, it's like jeans are actually going to protect the kids the best, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they weren't waiting in the water.
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember we, we were like a mile from the river. So I just take drive, ride my Huffy to the, yeah. to the river, ditch the bike there. And it was so fun. And I remember having a couple patches on the, on the jeans either because my, brother warm and then i warm or whatever that went but yeah um yeah now that even even the jeans now like if you're buying a jean that doesn't have some spandex or something like that something else to make it a little bit stretchy then what are you doing you don't have to live like that anymore just straight (laughs) straight up wranglers what are you doing
1: like walking like a cowboy
0: (laughs) exactly exactly yeah and i i think back to to the um hunters and the the People, the explorers and the hunters of the you know 40s, 50s, 60s. Yeah, and it's crazy just to see how low tech it was and how it was just that's just all you had. And now it's yeah. nice to to have all these great things that available to us. It's it's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, uh, it's pretty. Two, two things that that makes me think of is one time I was in Denver for a trade show um, and I had the opportunity to do like a day trip somewhere else. And instead of going to really cool Boulder, Colorado, which maybe makes more sense to check out, I went to Golden, Colorado to go to the museum. The um, Is it the American Alpine Institute Museum there? Because I wanted to like look at the old clothing they had mm. on display from like the earliest sense of Everest and stuff like
0: that. Nice. That's in Golden? <laughs>
1: Um, there's an, a cool. I'm trying to remember what the exact correct name of it is, but in Golden, Colorado, there's a really cool museum. At least for
0: hmm. an
1: outdoor gear nerd like
0: me. I remember Golden uh, as uh, oh yes, yeah, the American Mountaineering Museum.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: Huh. there's a brewery there. I think that's uh, that's where Coors is, or something yeah, like that. yeah, that's yeah. Like, that, uh,
1: that's what the whole town seems to be about. I had no idea that Coors was from. there <laughs> I was like,
0: "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> yeah, a side note is the, is note. the big thing. Yeah, uh, we went up there. I think Black Hawk is uh, around there somewhere. There's a casino. My parents uh, went there once. I think it's in that area. But okay. uh, I was born in Colorado, and I've been back there for a couple uh, couple summers. And um, that seems like a a a good. I don't know future venue or something like that are you are you looking at other areas where you can expand outside of the state or is it mostly just alaska because if, if anywhere like colorado would seem like the type of people who would just eat this stuff up
1: yeah that's a good question um i mean we uh expanded to like small independent retailers a little bit before covid and then sort of have dialed that back and we're kind of dabbling in expanding to sell through retailers again and one of our first ones out of state before covid was in colorado in crested butte colorado um a little cute shop called Chopwood Mercantile, and yeah, they ordered and ordered again and ordered again. So I guess there was de- demand there, and nice. maybe we'll 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 rekindle that and reach back out soon because I think you know those kind of next growth steps are back on the horizon.
0: Mm-hmm. My wife and I did a little. Um, is it called skinning when you put the skins on your skis and you go yep. touring? or one yep. of those. I don't know. I want yep. to get the language both. wrong, but
1: those uh, are both correct uses of that.
0: Oh, either one. Okay, good. Yeah. It's not like yeah. a regional thing. Like, Oh, he must be from Alaska. <laughs> if he's using that term, uh, it, into a, into a yurt, which is pretty sweet. And then, um, stayed there for a couple nights and then, oh, uh, nice. toured back out. So yeah, there's the Colorado that I can remember growing up or not. I'd go back every summer. So it was, it was kind of the hot front range area, Greeley, uh, okay. Denver, um, okay. Estes park, but uh, it's cool to kind of see it during the winter, and there's a lot of outdoor opportunities. It's a probably it's a pretty sweet place, but I would never want to live there again.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I've, I've just heard the stats of like how rapidly the population is growing in all those areas there. And I, I like, you know, I'm choosing Alaska as my home for a reason. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> is there is there a benefit? To uh, to stay obviously it's it's Alaska legit but there you see a lot of outdoor companies end up moving to places that make it a little bit more, easier to expand. Bozeman is you know huge in the outdoor industry and that's kind of the mm-hmm. if you want to be a country singer you go to Nashville if you want to be an actor you go to Hollywood if you want to be in yeah. the outdoor industry you go to Bozeman. Is there a temptation to to kind of uproot and move for the sake of the business?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, like no, I want to live here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good question, but clearly no.
1: I, I you know, um, you know, like I, I, if I could see a possibility where, because we love we have our own manufacturing facility here in Anchorage, and we have a little store here in Anchorage, and um, that aligns really well with the values of like bringing fabrics here and making many different products from. St- you know several different fabrics that we have, um, and sell. We sell a lot of them to the Anchorage and Alaska market, in quotes. Um, I could see maybe if we expanded into really establishing a customer base, yeah, in Montana or Colorado, some sort of version of having like opening our own regional manufacturing facility, such that you're like reducing your carbon footprint and manufacturing is happening closer to where the products are being. Um, consumed to use like the business terms. Um, I could see something like that. Uh, but I, as far as like a place that I want to live and work, I'm not sure where else that would be.
0: Mm-hmm. Another big, I'd be happy that... to visit places, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the thing I like, I love about Ketchikan is that, I mean, it is rainy and miserable, but that keeps the population low. And then by having an airport here, like we can fly out so quickly, we can spend a weekend mm-hmm. in Seattle if we wanted to. Uh, Not that we want to, but we could go down this real quickly. There's some areas you have more people in the Wasilla Palmer area, but it might be kind of a hassle to drive all the way into Anchorage to get to the airport and fly out. So having the airport right here is is pretty, pretty nice.
1: Yeah, and we live on the edge of town here in Anchorage and, you know, Anchorage is the most busy, densest not real alaska alaska place (laughs) there's whatever you guys say outside of anchorage um but you know we do have that international airport right there and um i live on the side of the town that i can get into the mountains right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's 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 pretty magical to have like you know city-like amenities travel at your fingertips and then the backcountry access at your fingertips. And then mm-hmm. the ease of flying down to June, like I'm gonna to go to Juneau in November. We went in, in June last year and other places like getting up north into the Brooks Range and stuff is all possible from here. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I think on the question you asked is that I think that there's a cool, what, what other places are doing are really incentivizing brands and businesses to establish, especially things that have domestic manufacturing. They're really doing a lot to establish and attract businesses to move to their cities. Um, you know, with, you know, whatever programs in place to establish manufacturing, good rent rates, um, you know, probably tax incentives and things like that, like the things you hear about, you know, Amazon gets when Amazon decides to move somewhere. Uh, I think that there's a huge opportunity to recognize that here is a great place to live. There's a lot of land here and with the way people, so many people, there's an opportunity for us to do a lot more with um, supporting development of manufacturing and other innovation type businesses here and hopefully being here, I can contribute to that.
0: You talk a lot about making the most of the opportunities that you have there recreationally. It can happen yeah. to anybody, but there's this idea or there's people who talk about things they used to do before work took over or because, or before their business took over, before everything else. So how important is it to maintain that life away from work and relationship with the family and going out and being uh, in the mountains with the family. How important is that to making sure that when you show up to work, you can be more effective?
1: Uh, It's super important. I mean, I that's that is that's well, it's a huge benefit of living here without having long commute times and uh, having like the schools your kids need to go to the place you want to do your work and the place you want to recreate all basically a stone's throw from one another. it allows you to be able to do that and for me and the types of products and the type of business that I have uh, I mean it's essential for my mental health it's also essential for like the authenticity of what I'm doing or even the ability to do what I'm doing you know like we sewed up a new t-shirt prototype and I instantly need to be wearing it to go do whatever thing I'm gonna be making some new long sleeve or new fleece legging prototypes and stuff like that like it's 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 my whole life (laughs) combined into one and one piece doesn't work without the other. Mm -hmm. You know, I can leave work at whatever time to make sure that I go do the things I need to do with my kids in the evening after school or whatever. And, uh, I can be at home until the minute that they, they take the bus to school, but like they take the bus to school at just the right time for me to leave and get to the workshop in time. Uh, and then also like we can flip a switch and be, uh, you know, hiking together into rabbit creek uh, rabbit lake to go ice skating on a Saturday after having worked a really hard long week at the workshop you know it's it's all part of it it's essential one can't exist without the other and it can nice. exist here that's nice. so the way we're doing things
0: <laughs> what's uh what's your hourly um how many hours do you put in weekly oh, and, and how does that compare to when you were first starting
1: um too many it's probably the same <laughs> <laughs> Um like literally it could be very easy for me to end up cumulatively have working at least 10 hours a day if not 12 sometimes 14 and there are pauses and breaks and dealing with personal stuff in between that like it might be oh crap kiddo forgot their music in- in- instrument for their orchestra class whatever it is that they're doing at school and you gotta drop it and run there and that's like one flexibility of being an entrepreneur um But then it's like, Oh, I still need to get that email marketing campaign out. So I'm going to stay up another Mm -hmm. 30 minutes because of that family essential, you know, side, side sidetrack there in between. Um, yeah, it's full on all the time. I don't think your mind ever truly switches off, uh, but I've really trained my mind to switch off when I'm like doing something outdoors with the family or alone or like on a trip.
0: Right. Yeah, the, the people who are most successful and it make the entrepreneurship world seem so fun are the people who, like, they're amped because of it. It doesn't seem oh, like, yeah. you know, they say, you know, if you're following your passion, you don't work a day, of, you know, whatever that that cliche yeah. saying is about yeah. you never work yeah. a day. But it's good to feel that productivity and that purpose and, and watching people who are enthusiastically pursuing it. It's that's what gets them amped rather than they get amped afterwards. So it's it's pretty cool to to, to see that.
1: Yeah, like I just, I re- literally am so excited to work on it all the time and I have to switch on and switch off sometimes because then you can't, you don't, you don't do work stuff well if you're distracted by family and you don't do family stuff well if you're <laughs> distracted by work. Right. So you do really need to figure out how to like kind of turn those levers in your brain, but could I work on it all day, every day, all night? Yes. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes so, I crash and really need a break on the couch under
0: a blanket, but yeah, that, that happens. That's normal. So what do you got for uh, closing thoughts here? Where can we, uh, where can we find you order stuff? Uh, you got the, uh, there's black Fridays coming up in a couple of weeks. So what's your sales pitch?
1: oh okay uh well you can visit us at alpinefit.com uh, on social media at Alpine Fit co. we're going to be at a few events in the anchorage and wasilla palmer areas and Juneau coming up so the vintage markets in palmer the uh the Matsu holiday marketplace this weekend in wasilla and, well, and again, I don't know when this is going to air, but...
0: We'll go tomorrow. Uh, we'll go tomorrow okay, so you yeah. can preview all that.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, November, our events calendar is on our website at alpinefit.com. And uh, we'll also be in Juneau um, the weekend after th- the weekend of Thanksgiving. So we'll kind of be around various places, but feel free to reach out by phone or email if you have any questions. And I didn't get a chance to mention that I got a really lovely package Finally, I was away for a bit last week, and I have an awesome yeah. package I finally got yeah. to open this morning, and I yeah. noticed you signed the books. Thank you. Yeah, signed
0: the books. Got to sign the books. Thanks for uh, thanks for your order. I appreciate that. It was I, nice I, to, to see that there.
1: I, tra- was, I, I uh, was away for a bit and didn't get it uh, until today because I was out of the office here and there, um, but I'm really excited to dive in, and I'm sorry I didn't read some of them before seeing you again oh, today, <laughs> but next time we chat, I will have.
0: No, that's fine. I, it's... The writing thing is so. Whenever kids start talking about uh, the fact that I've written anything, I just say, uh, "Mr. Lund, can we can we read your book as the outside reading book?" Absolutely not. Zero chance of that. <laughs> no, cannot do it. It's kind of a weird. I don't know, just something. I don't know. It's 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 weird, but I, I appreciate the support. It's fun to to kind of see the product come to fruition, even if it's words or you know T-shirts, base layer, whatever. It's it's cool to. Yeah. Uh, to kind of be around like minded of people. So even though there's other people in different entrepreneurships, you know, I kind of get motivated, get some extra, extra juice from the Alaska Wild Project guys and see other people who are just getting after it and yeah. being creative. It's, it's fun because it's not in the exact same realm, but you know, just the Alaska voice, the Alaska business, you and Sagebrush Dry Goods and all these other Alaska people who are really getting after it. It's, it's really fun yeah. to, and, and motivating to keep putting product forward and, and tell the Alaska story.
1: Yeah. Well, I thank you so much for chatting these couple of times and I'm stoked that you've enjoyed wearing your Alpine Fit base layers and thanks so much. It's awesome to be connected and be part of a community together with you. So yeah,
0: appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk to you later.
1: Thanks.